What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. My dad was in the hotel industry. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who knows the hotel industry, it is 24 hours a day, seven mm-hmm. days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was rarely home. But when mm-hmm. he was home, he was cooking for the family. Yeah. It started out as like this forced bonding in a way that was very much encouraged by my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it slowly turned into a passion. And mm-hmm. while all of my friends were on their AYSO soccer teams or playing baseball or playing outside, I was in the kitchen. That is Holden Dallerbrook, Coke scholar and a senior at Tufts University, double majoring in international relations and interdisciplinary studies. Hello, I'm your host, Venkat Raman. Holden developed an interest in food and cooking from a very early age by watching his dad cook in the kitchen. By his own admission, Holden spent more time in the kitchen than playing soccer or baseball. In high school, this passion landed him on a TV show called Man vs. Child, Chef Showdown as a child chef. So when time came for college, he wanted to go where he could build on his love for food. Holden joins us on our podcast to share his unusual undergraduate experience at Tufts, the Koch Scholarship, pursuing his passion for food, and advice for high schoolers. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. My undergraduate experience as a whole in the whole scheme of things was very unusual. Um, Mm -hmm. I had most of a freshman year and then COVID struck and Mm -hmm. everyone went home. Sophomore Mm -hmm. year, all of my classes were virtual. So in the end, I chose Tufts and I'm very happy here. I'm fairly comfortable. I had an opportunity to create my own major. Everyone here is super unique and super fun. And everyone has a quirk or a passion. That's a unique passion that they just are so invested in. And these are all people in the Coca-Cola Scholars community. Yeah. It's kind of one of the same reasons that I originally chose Tufts, just a little bit more honed in. It's people who are passionate about different things, who love talking about their own passions and getting to know yours. The classes were rough, Mm. uh, uh, to say the least. One of my classes went really, really well. Um, Actually, two of them. I was taking all of four courses, Mm -hmm. but I walked into Tufts with the expectation to take five or six. And that's because coming from high school, my senior year, I took 11 courses. At the end of the day, you're going to go where you belong. And if you don't belong there, leave. Yeah. <laughs> College is expensive. <laughs> don't pay $75,000 a year to be somewhere that you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
These were the high fives brought to you by College Matters. Alma Matters. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Holden. So without further ado, here is Holden Dallerbrook. If you're ready, let's get started. Absolutely. Let's go for it. Cool. So maybe the best place to start is uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what your undergraduate experience has been like so far at Tufts. Absolutely. So um, first off, my name is Holden Dollarbrook. I'm a senior at Tufts University, double majoring in international relations and Mm -hmm. interdisciplinary studies, which is a create your own major. And Mm -hmm. that one is culinary history, culture, and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, My undergraduate experience as a whole in the whole scheme of things was very unusual. Um, Mm -hmm. I had most of a freshman year and then COVID struck and Mm -hmm. everyone went home. Sophomore Mm -hmm. year, all of my classes were virtual and I was a resident assistant in first year dorm buildings. Mm -hmm. So as a result, I wasn't really seeing many of my friends and (laughs) it it was very isolating from there. And I was also on student government. I was being as involved as I could be from Mm -hmm. an isolated dorm out of safety. And then Mm -hmm. uh, last year was my junior year and Mm -hmm. I did study abroad. I went Mm -hmm. to Germany Mm -hmm. for the full year. Mm -hmm. And now I am back on campus, my fourth year of university, but my first real year of university. So maybe before we dive deeper into that, um, why did you choose Tufts? Why did you go there? So I did the entire college application process kind of backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And it worked really well for me. It does not work well for everyone. But I applied to as many schools as I could that Mm -hmm. I had any interest in. And then I did research after the fact on the schools once I had my set list of acceptances and therefore Mm -hmm. my set list of options. Mm -hmm. I was never tied down to a school or idealized a certain school. And as a result, when I got all my acceptances, I was looking at each school given Mm -hmm. the list. Mm -hmm. I applied to 29 schools as a whole. Mm-hmm. which was very expensive. Um, of course. <laughs> uh, 30 <laughs> programs, though, 30 or 31 individual programs. Mm-hmm. Um, going through the process, the one rule that my parents made is since I'm originally from California, mm-hmm. I was expected to apply to at least one California state school and one uh, UC school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I did was I applied to one school that I considered a super safety. This Mm -hmm. was a school that I basically knew I was going to get into, Mm -hmm. but also it had rolling admission and it was out of state. So Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of all of my applications, this is the first one I applied to and I got my acceptance and I knew I was going to college and I knew that if I wanted to go out of state, the school that I got into was out of state. So I already knew that I was going to school early on in the process. And that's something I recommend to anyone. But tying back to why I chose Tufts, looking at my set list, Mm -hmm. I ended up just going through the options that I had, looking at the reputations of the schools, how Mm -hmm. they were at what I wanted to study, 
Mm-hmm. But the big thing is that I reached out to friends at each of the schools mm-hmm. um, and I tried to go visit them because so much of these schools you, is living on campus for the four right. years or right. in my case, like one and a half. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I knew that I wanted to be in a school that I was happy at and I was comfortable at. Right. Um, so there were some schools where I wasn't happy with the campus or the certain environment surrounding it and I didn't even consider it. Mm-hmm. At, at the end of the day, I had four main schools that I was looking at, um, yeah. and those were University of California, Los Angeles, or UCLA, mm-hmm. UC Berkeley, mm-hmm. Cornell, and Tufts. Mm-hmm. UCLA was too close to home for <laughs> me. Berkeley just didn't really fit my vibe and my intentions, uh-huh. and I'm sure something of it also has to do with I visited the school during finals week. So yeah. looking around, everyone just looked stressed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went and I visited the wrong time. <laughs> we'll say that. Um, and then Cornell, I got in and then I was looking through and trying to figure out how to get to Cornell. And I realized it would be somewhere between 800 and $1,000 to do a last minute round trip ticket from home to Cornell. It would mm-hmm. also cost me over 24 hours of travel time because yeah. it was LAX, JFK, JFK, Buffalo, Buffalo, Ithaca. Mm. And at that point, I just decided it wasn't worth it. Um, for me, I love my family. I love my friends back home. And God forbid something was to happen. I didn't yeah. want to be that isolated. And looking at the state of the world my sophomore year, I made the right decision with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in the end, I chose Tufts. And I'm very happy here. I'm fairly comfortable. I had an opportunity to create my own major. Everyone here is super unique and super fun. And everyone has a quirk or a passion that's a unique passion that they just are so invested in. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing that makes Tufts special and the reason I ultimately chose Tufts was the people. Yeah. Let's, you know, wind a little further back. Okay. Um, Talk a little bit about your high school. What what kind of interests did you have? Uh, What were you like in high school? Oh, I was, I was popular in high school, but that doesn't mean that I was in the popular crowd. It means that I was well known. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) my freshman year um, was a fairly rocky start. It was a good start, but about two months into freshman year, I got pulled away from school for two Uh months to go film a TV show. Mm. So as a result, when I came back, I was, and of course I was doing schoolwork on set and everything, but I was trying to make up missed tests and missed homeworks while working forward at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, So academically and friends wise, people made friends during that time. Yeah. um, When I was gone academically, everything built off each other. Um, And socially, I really wanted to be a part of ASB, um, which was the main student government body Mm -hmm. at my high school. Mm -hmm. And I decided I was going to run freshman year, but I ultimately decided not to, knowing that I had this TV show, I wouldn't be able to serve or support or be a resource for the people who would elect me in the case that I would get elected. So I ended Mm -hmm. up not even running because I knew I couldn't be fully invested for those two months as I would want to be. Yep. Um, In 
high school as a whole, yeah. I was kind of a floater. I mm. didn't really have a main friend group, but I was accepted in most of my friend groups that I was hanging out with, which mm-hmm. occasionally was the popular kids. Occasionally it was the drama kids. Um, all of the different like 1980s movie stereotypical cliques, I was yeah. accepted in all of them. Yeah. Um, I was very into my academics. I was very into my clubs. I was the vice president of two clubs and the president and founder of another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I've come to discover about myself that I've never been a fan of sleep. Yeah. Uh, I'm always <laughs> just running everywhere. Um, and that really started in high school. So you have intrigued me with this TV show. So tell me about it. Tell me the TV show. So way back when, uh, during my eighth grade year, as well as ninth grade year, I was filming for a TV show called Man vs. Child Chef Showdown. Mm-hmm. It was a cooking competition show where mm-hmm. I was a chef. They called us all prodigies. Yeah. And I was 15 at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but we were cooking against executive chefs who had been cooking professionally in kitchens longer than we had been alive at the point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was a crazy premise because these chefs would come in and if they won, congratulations, you won against kids. <laughs> but if yeah. you lost, you lost <laughs> to a bunch of kids. That's right. <laughs> but it, it, it was a ton of fun. I Everyone on the show, I'm still really good friends with. Yeah. Um, I still work in the food industry. And part of it is because of the connections that I made on, sh- on set with some of my competitors. Um, to name a few, um, there's a chef by the name of Chef Boots who now has a place up in Harlem in New York. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a guy named Joel Miller who ended up hiring me. And I worked with him for four years, just mm. absorbing everything that I could learn about food. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith Breedlove, um, who's now in Wyoming. I, I think by now I have a restaurant in all 50 states that I can make <laughs> a phone call and go work at for a day. So, so where did this love or passion for cooking come in? How did that happen? When I was really young, mm-hmm. my dad was in the hotel industry. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who knows the hotel industry, it is 24 hours a day, seven Mm -hmm. days a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he was rarely home. But when Mm -hmm. he was home, he was cooking for the family. Yeah. It started out as like this forced bonding in a way that was very much encouraged by my mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it slowly turned into a passion. And Mm -hmm. while all of my friends were on their AYSO soccer teams or playing baseball or playing outside, I was in the kitchen. I, mm-hmm. I was, we created a cooking club called the Palace Verdes Kids Cooking Club. Mm. Um, and it was me and a bunch of friends in elementary school cooking because I was never really interested in those sports. I was interested in food. Mm. Uh, something drew me to it, honestly, kind of as an art form at first. It's yeah. really the only art form that you can appreciate with all five senses legally. Yeah. Um, if I go up and lick the Mona Lisa, I will be arrested. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but food you can use all five senses on. Um, 
and now even with my major today with international or with interdisciplinary studies, the, it's culinary history, culture and entrepreneurship. And right. I'm looking at how trade routes and colonialism and war and society and politics and religion impact food in daily life. I saw that you founded the Culinary Playgrounds. What, what was that? Oh, what is that? So Culinary Playgrounds is my company. Mm -hmm. um, we are a culinary consulting firm and incubator that works mm. with nonprofit organizations, food and beverage startups, as well as restaurants and food trucks. Mm -hmm. We do everything from looking at your business to figure out ways to make it either more efficient or more aimed at your desired market to mm -hmm. recipe creation and recipe testing for food trucks mm -hmm. uh, to little incubation and connection making opportunities here and there. And mm -hmm. um, we even have one project that I'm really proud of the work that we've been doing with them. Um, there's a group called Cooking Up Confidence. Mm -hmm. And the aim of this organization is to teach uh, people with with neurodiversities, such mm -hmm. as autism, Asperger's, um, about confidence and other life skills through mm -hmm. passions and hobbies, such mm -hmm. as Rubik's Cube, golf, arts, mm -hmm. and cooking. Mm -hmm. Wow. We, we also do recipes, a little bit of media stuff through my Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. Um, and of course, what is a company based around food if you do not have recipes available on your website? Absolutely. <laughs> so do you have a kitchen close by? Uh, how, how, where do you practice all this art? So for now, I'm actually in a new themed housing uh, opportunity on the Tufts campus called mm -hmm. Foodie House. Mm. I created it along with my friend Jackson and my friend Camille. And the goal was to unite people on the Tufts campus around a common interest for food from mm. multiple different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So we have one of the best kitchens on campus mm. and it's just always in use. Uh, before stepping up here to record this, I walked into the kitchen and one of my residents, Rohan, uh, was cooking this panini and I just smelled that toasted bread. And I thought to myself, I live in the best housing on campus. <laughs> I really do. Uh, so, but also part of culinary playgrounds, um, we're running right now with the tagline, play with your food because culinary mm -hmm. playgrounds. Yeah. Um, so as a result, we're looking at different equipment. I have history doing a little bit of recipe development and corporate events and um, catering where mm -hmm. I was limited to only using a microwave and teaching people how to make chef and restaurant quality meals with the microwave being the only heat source. Mm. Um, and that's something I really love about food because it's always a new challenge. It's yeah. always a new project. And if it's not rewarding, you get to try it again. Yep. Yep. And you know, right away, whether it worked. Oh yeah. So, so um, well, it's fantastic. It's just fantastic. Um, Congratulations. I mean, you know, not only having the passion, but the wherewithal and the follow through, you know, that, that's really super critical. Let's transition and talk a little bit about the Koch scholarship. Um, so, you know, maybe 
why did you apply? I mean, how did you learn about it and why did you end up applying? So I learned about the Coca-Cola scholarship through the Coca-Cola scholarship foundation through my mother. Um, mm. My mom is the wizard of finding scholarships. Mm. And like before we even get into the Coke scholarship and how extraordinary it is and how every single person listening needs to apply for the scholarship, mm -hmm. there's a scholarship out there for almost anything. Mm -hmm. um, one of the scholarships I applied to is exclusively for people who are the children of people who work in the shoes and footwear industry. And if you are the child of a lawyer with the intention of going to medical school and you have a pet tortoise, there's probably a scholarship <laughs> out there for that. Uh, I, I'm telling you, there's a scholarship out there for anything. If you find your niche or something unique about yourself, there's a unique right. scholarship out there. But Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. honestly, is probably the best scholarship in the world. Mm. Um, I, when I applied... I didn't think I was going to get it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, when I got it and I started meeting other Coca-Cola scholars, yeah. that's something that is common. Yeah. Nobody who gets this scholarship really thinks that they are worthy or deserving of this scholarship because this scholarship at the end of the day is more difficult to get than it is to get into Harvard or any of the Ivies when you look at admissions rates. Yeah. Um, so I applied for it because my mom wanted me to genuinely mm -hmm. thinking that I would not get it. Mm. I saw the money for it and I saw the work for it and it's $20,000, which is extraordinary. Yeah. But that's also not the largest corporate scholarship financially that yeah. is available out there. Yeah. The thing though, that makes Coca-Cola scholarship unique is that it is this family and this community that you create for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. It is more than just the money. Um, and like I now have a connection with the mayor of Boston, Michelle Wu. Mm -hmm. I have a connection with people at any of the top 50 or maybe even top 100 universities in the United States and a few abroad. Mm -hmm. uh, and we always have this connection through Coca-Cola scholars. Mm -hmm. it, I have done a little bit of work with some of the people, collaboration opportunities. We have a group chat where we pitch each other different club or business ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really more than anything else, a scholarship based on leadership. Mm -hmm. And everyone there is a leader or was identified as a, as a leader at an early age. And Absolutely. it's just the most extraordinary community I've ever had the honor and privilege of being a part of. You said that um, you didn't think you would get it, which I can understand um, at the outset, but what do you, what do you think made the difference? I mean, one or more things, what do you think, um, you know, convinced the, foundation to award you the scholarship? I have talked to some of the people who award these scholarships about this, mm -hmm. and I still do not know. Okay. <laughs> I've gotten a little bit of information here and there, um, but at the end of the day, I was not valedictorian. I was not a straight-A student. I wasn't even really ranked. My 
school high school didn't rank the people i was competing when during the last stage of interviews i was competing also with one of the people from my rival high school who was known for the most incredible project where she made a thousand origami paper cranes to donate to i believe a senior living center mm. and just for the people in the community, I was going up against the people who had these large scale, most extraordinary projects. Mm -hmm. And I was talking a little bit about one of the clubs I founded, one of the clubs I was in, a couple of my side projects. But when it came to the actual interview, which was, I believe, step three, there's an initial application, there's a more information thing, and then there's this third one, which is a sit-down interview mm -hmm. where you sit down with one or two people from Coca-Cola scholars from the foundation itself, as well as a few past recipients of Coca-Cola scholars, and you mm -hmm. just talk for 20 minutes or a half hour. Mm -hmm. And I was right after someone who was known for being one of the biggest leaders and most kind-hearted people in my entire high school <laughs> in this very last round. And I, it was not at all what I expected. I expected to talk about the Spontaneous Pancake Club, which is the club that I founded. Yeah. I was expecting to talk about being a part of four of the five leadership um, classes at my high school or mm -hmm. getting donations for our cancer support walk. Um, and instead they started asking me questions about the improv club that I was a part of. Mm -hmm. I was not the leader of this club. Yeah. <laughs> I, one year, got the most valuable player award. Yeah. And they just started talking to me about improv. Mm -hmm. It was one of the most casual interviews that totally caught me off guard because mm -hmm. for a scholarship that is so based on leadership, yeah. they were asking about one of the very few things on my resume Mm -hmm. where I was not a leader. Yeah. And I honestly don't remember a whole lot about the interview. I walked out of that interview thinking I didn't get this. Yeah. And then I got this email in the middle of class. Yeah. I was in my AP environmental science course and I got a phone call from my mother in the middle of class. Mm -hmm. um, which you're not supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately hang up the phone. My um, teacher t looks at me and it's like, silence your phone. And I do that quickly. And then my mom starts texting me every like 20 seconds, check your email, check your email. And then I say, okay, well, I guess I got to go check my email. I do what every high schooler does and raise my hand, ask to go to the bathroom, even though I'm not actually going to the bathroom. Right. I step outside, <laughs> I check my email and I won this scholarship. I was on top of the world. I was just not expecting this. You know, you mentioned a few ways that it has really made a difference and changed you in ways and connections it's given. What, 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 what else could you be doing? What, what's next with the alumni network? Well, right now I'm planning on continuing on to business school after I graduate. Yeah. Which means I need to start applications like 
a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I went to this function for alumni of Coca-Cola scholars a week and a half ago. Uh-huh. I walk in and who do I see but a new professor at Northeastern University's School of Business. Mm. And so I sit down with him. We have Coca-Colas in our hands, of course. How can you yeah. not? Yeah. And um, we just start chatting about our research. I'm talking about my thesis and he's talking about how he's currently working on a project looking at uh, the intersections between the ways that supermarkets dispose of ingredients or food items that are about to go bad and how they create a positive feedback loop in the greater socioeconomic community with tightening in different friend groups and social circles based on Mm -hmm. economic classes. Mm -hmm. And I'm just chatting with him and chatting with him and I look at my watch and a half hour has gone by. This Mm -hmm. function is not long, but... I just spent so much time talking to this one person. So we trade contact info and I go on to the next person and I have another half hour long conversation uh, about art um, in this case, because this person, her name is Jackie. She goes to Stanford and she's one of the most incredible artists I have ever met. Mm -hmm. And these are all people in the Coca-Cola scholars community. Yeah. It's, kind of one of the same reasons that I originally chose Tufts, just a little bit more honed in. It's people who are passionate about different things, who love talking about their own passions and getting to know yours. Yeah. And so there are these functions that happen all the time. And it's just really a phenomenal community of a bunch of leaders. The community is the most important thing for Coke. Talk a bit about, you know, coming to Tufts. How was how was that transition, and how have things been? I mean, uh, you did mention each of the years being different, so maybe you can give us some variety around, um, you know, how it was in the first year. How were your peers, mm-hmm. and then maybe we can talk a little bit about being virtual, and then your study abroad. So my first year. I stepped foot on campus for a pre-orientation. That's something Mm -hmm. that's kind of cool with Tufts. We have five or six different pre-orientation programs. And -hmm. the one that I did was global orientation. Mm -hmm. I have lived in the United States for my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, With my dad being in the hotel industry, I traveled a little bit when I was young, but at the end of the day, I was not one of the most global people in this global orientation. But what ended up happening is I formed a community of people that were outside of the hall that I was living in. Mm -hmm. And I formed these really strong friendships and I'm still friends with half of the people. I see them around campus and every single person waves back. Uh, So that was really crucial because after that, my friend group was very much defined by the hall that I was living in. Mm -hmm. It was the people living around me, my roommate, because I was just so lucky and I got one of the coolest roommates I could have ever dreamed for. His name was Sheehan. Mm-hmm. And, but my friend group was very much defined by that and my mm-hmm. clubs and my social circles that were based on interests or different activities. Right. Um, really in university, that's how people make friends. And that's why 
after COVID and after being abroad, it's a little bit of a struggle to return yeah. because from that friend group from freshman year, it's now splintered into seven or eight different friend groups based on where people are living now, how close mm -hmm. to campus or on campus. Mm -hmm. My roommate from freshman year transferred, um, not after, not immediately after being my roommate, I am not one of the reasons that he transferred. He, he lasted one more year at Tufts before he transferred. Um, and he's now at Amherst. Um, but I'm still texting him all the time. And I'm still texting and hanging out with the people from freshman year. Yeah. Um, those bonds that I created, I think, are just going to last forever. When mm -hmm. I was traveling last year for study abroad, I even met up with one of my friends from freshman year in Dublin because she mm -hmm. was studying abroad there. Mm -hmm. um, if I can have my biggest piece of advice for freshman year is do not get into a relationship immediately freshman year before mm -hmm. you have a friend group. Mm -hmm. Because one of the other reasons it's splintered is I have a friend that got into a relationship mm -hmm. at the same time that they joined this friend group. Mm -hmm. And then when they broke up, yeah. it started to become awkward. Yeah. And it became, well, do you support one friend or the other friends? And you could have supported both, but nobody did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it's just those first connections that you make freshman year, mm -hmm. even if you don't stay best friends with them all four years, they still are friends. And if everything goes well with that group of friends, even seeing them around campus, I feel comfortable going up and talking to them at any point. And yeah. they do for me as well, even though I haven't seen them in two years. How, how was, uh, when you transitioned, how did you find the classes and the academics? Uh, the classes were rough, mm. uh, I, to say the least. One of my classes went really, really well. Um, actually, two of them. I was taking all of four courses, mm -hmm. but I walked into Tufts with the expectation to take five or six. Yeah. And that's because coming from high school, my senior year, I took 11 courses. <laughs> wow. Uh, because I'm crazy. And once again, I guess I don't like sleeping. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but these courses were way more difficult than I thought they would be. Yeah. I also was never the best student as it pertains to grades, looking back through my academic career. Um, I was not valedictorian in high school. I definitely will not be valedictorian at Tufts. Yeah. Uh, but I walked in with the goal of studying international relations. So the mm -hmm. first course that I took was Introduction to International Relations. Mm -hmm. And this is a weed out class. It is a class designed to be overly difficult. And mm -hmm. for my concentration within international relations, it's not the most relevant um, yeah. because my concentration is global health, nutrition, and the environment. Yeah. And we were looking at the Peloponnesian War. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did not do well in this course. I took my first midterm. I'm going to be honest, I failed this midterm. Mm -hmm. Second midterm didn't go so great either, but I did fine on the final and I did really, really well on the essay. Mm. So I ended up passing the class, but 
freshman year, I was balancing trying to be social, trying to make friends, taking mm -hmm. one of the most difficult courses on campus, also with one of the most difficult professors for this course. Mm -hmm. So that first semester was really rough. Mm -hmm. Come second semester, it got off to a good start. Um, a couple things here and there went wrong. I have one weekend that was just really, really difficult for me. And they happen. Mm -hmm. um, and then we all just got sent home. And that moment where we got the email, the way that Tufts works is when an announcement comes out, that's a general announcement. Yeah. Harvard or MIT will make the first announcement. Then the other one. And Tufts mm -hmm. is third. So Harvard had already announced it. MIT had already announced it. I was in the dining hall. I got the email and half of the people started crying immediately. Hmm. And about 25% of the people started cheering because hmm. college drains you. Yeah. At the end of the day, these courses are not easy. They're not designed to be easy. If they were designed to be easy, we wouldn't be toughs. We wouldn't be ranking where we're ranking or having these alumni go on to run businesses or multi-million dollar corporations. Mm -hmm. These are not easy classes and not every class is fun. Um, but it's in the experience as a whole, my freshman year, at every point where I was stressed or I was anxiety or I wasn't doing well in a class, I looked back to really two communities. And those communities were my community that I formed on campus in my hall and through the pre-orientation mm -hmm. and the Coca-Cola Scholars community. I yeah. texted friends in Chicago, in New York, um, and we just had this one weekend through Coke Scholars, but we became kind of best friends or this family. Yeah. And I could call a few of them at any point and they'd pick up. Uh, so... <laughs> In the end, freshman year was rough, yeah. but I got through it. And hindsight being 2020, I survived. I did fine. I'm still on track to graduate in four years. Yeah. And I'm moving on. So how was the second year going virtual? Second year was also fun. Um, I came back as an RA. One of the things that I did when I was applying to colleges is I was looking really at two things that people don't usually tell you to look for. And one of them was, would you be willing to be a tour guide on this campus? Mm -hmm. um, for Tufts, I said yes, because I love the campus. I love the people and the people were clearly passionate, never became a tour guide. Uh, but the other one was, would I want to be an RA on this campus? because mm -hmm. I wanted to be an RA mm -hmm. um, throughout my entire experience with leadership and high school and friends. I wanted to be a resource for people and RAs in my eyes, more than anything else are a resource. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to be an RA. I walked into my sophomore year wanting to be an RA for first year students. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up being an RA in a pandemic for first-year students. Yep. All of these people were coming to Tufts for the first time, first time experiencing school as a college, 
And it was not a normal experience for them. And it was rough. Everyone was adapting. Everyone was running around like a chicken with their head cut off, just trying to figure out how to make Zoom work. Mm -hmm. um, and I was expected to be a resource for it. Sure. I was also expected to be a resource um, as in the only person or group of people that were really regulating the masking requirements on campus. Because mm -hmm. um, we were in a pandemic. We yep. still kind of are. <laughs> yes. Um, but the RAs were the only people that were regulating it. And we weren't allowed in the halls of other people living on campus. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing with Tufts is that you have to live on campus for two years. Mm -hmm. All of my friends from freshman year were living in other campuses and half of them were all living or in other halls and half of them were all living together. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't go hang out with them in their hall because mm -hmm. I wasn't going to break policy. I didn't want to be fired as an RA. Right. Uh, <laughs> free housing is nice. Nice. Uh, but I, so it was kind of weird because I ended up befriending a few of my residents. Mm-hmm. And this is absolutely something that you should not do. Do not befriend your residents in a normal year. But what it allowed me to do is become more of a trustworthy resource for my residents. And mm -hmm. even now, two years separated, or a little bit more than a year separated, yeah. um, I'm still hanging out with them. And they're some really close friends. And even though I'm not their RA, they're still using me as a resource. Okay, so let's move to the study abroad. So you spent the entire, uh, I guess, junior year abroad. Yeah, I, I spent all of junior year abroad. Mm -hmm. um, part of it came from I needed to learn this language. Um, I went to Germany because I have to learn German. For international relations degree, you have to get up to level eight of a language. Mm -hmm. I was told German would be an easy language. Mm -hmm. German is not an easy language, <laughs> especially when you're learning it on 5 a.m. Zoom calls when you're moved back across the country and trying to take a German class live Yeah. while the school year is still going on, but you're in isolation. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to do that. Also, honestly, there were a couple things that popped up my sophomore year on campus, and I just wanted to escape campus for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I decided I was going to go for the full year. Yeah. And it is the best thing I have ever done at Tufts, hands down. Mm. Uh, which is saying a lot because I also founded a culinary magazine on campus. I founded Foodie House. I was the in charge of an entire branch of student government. Mm -hmm. And the best thing I ever did was leave. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is just comedic. Um, but what it allowed me to do is see the world. Yeah. Um, in the U.S. and even more so at Tufts, which at times is liberal and at other times is hyper-liberal, um, what, what ended up happening is I got to see what was actually happening. Yeah. Um, looking at the war and siege that's going on right now for Ukraine, one of my yeah. best friends this past year was a Ukrainian refugee. Mm -hmm. And of course, there were a few conversations about it. It wasn't the first conversation, but there were a few conversations. And I feel like 
seeing some of the refugee crisis that's happening at the Berlin train station and talking to one of my friends who is legitimately a Ukrainian refugee, mm-hmm. going and seeing Sarajevo in Bosnia and Herzegovina and learning about the siege on Sarajevo, mm-hmm. um, which we just do not hear about in the United States. Mm-hmm. It was really eye-opening. And probably the biggest thing that I learned there mm-hmm. more than anything else is to let things go. Um, because at the end of the day, sure, something may seem like the end of the world, yeah. but it's when something like a social challenge happens up, um, it feels like the end of the world to that person. But at the end of the day, there is a whole world. And in the moment, it can feel really rough, but the world kind of goes on. Yeah. And if people like stick to certain things and dwell on things, um, for them, sometimes the world doesn't. Sure. But sure. seeing different cultures, different food, um, different experiences, I love hearing stories. Mm-hmm. And going abroad is the ultimate story experience, even more so than Broadway or the movie theater. Because <laughs> uh, you can just talk to people anywhere yeah. and learn something brand new. So now you're back for your senior year. Now, um, what next? Where are you headed? You mentioned business school. Um yeah, so any, any specific area that you're looking at? or At this point, I want to go on to business school, but I'm also keeping my options open. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few friends that have been dreaming of law school for their entire life, and they took a practice LSAT, and they didn't do well on it. And mm-hmm. they are now choosing not to go to law school immediately after graduation. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. Yeah. And for me, for the longest time, I wanted to go to law school. My freshman year, first semester, one of the first courses I took at Tufts was business law. And mm-hmm. I loved the course. And I was set on law school. Mm-hmm. And then I went abroad last year. Mm-hmm. And I changed my mind. Um, yeah. And that's totally fine. Um, at the end of the day, what I want to do And when I was looking at law school, I wanted to become a lawyer that supports restaurants and food trucks in their legal challenges because I've seen too many close because they can't find adequate, knowledgeable legal assistance with their specialty in their price range. Mm -hmm. Um, But taking a step back, that doesn't mean that it needs to be law. Yeah. So at this point, my goal is to continue on to business school, mm-hmm. then go work for a company for a couple of years. Why not? Um, mm-hmm. A consulting firm or an incubation firm or a networking firm, um, something that allows me to use my business school and get work experience. Mm-hmm. And then I want to go back and take this culinary playgrounds company that I've been working so hard on for the last five years Mm-hmm. And make it what it should be. Uh, a company that at its forefront helps restaurants. Yeah. I want to help family restaurants. Um, a lot of them 
immigrant families, a lot of them unique or world's cuisines, a lot mm -hmm. of them cooking family recipes. Mm -hmm. And I want to get more people eating food from around the world and people sharing their passions. So the goal now is to, at the end of the day, help restaurants. Awesome. So Holden, let's um, seg to some sort of advice for aspiring students, you know, aspiring as in high school students who are looking out, trying to figure out what they want to do, what kind of colleges to go to, what they want to become. Any piece of advice that they could be doing something right now with? Absolutely. Uh, looking back on the whole process of college applications, there are so many things that I wish I did differently. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I ended up where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. I'm happy where I am. So the first piece of advice that I can give anyone is don't dwell on those small details and don't dwell in the past. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you're going to go where you belong. And if you don't belong there, leave. Yeah. <laughs> College is expensive. <laughs> Don't pay $75,000 a year to be somewhere that you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> um, number two, of course, then as a result is um, apply to scholarships uh, to make it so it's not 75 to 100 grand a year because college is really expensive in the States. Mm -hmm. um, other really big piece of, pieces of advice or things that I did that I was really happy with. Mm-hmm. Get started on those college applications early if you can. Mm -hmm. And on your personal statement, do not let your parents read them. <laughs> I, I know that sounds weird, but I showed my parents my college application essay after I finished my applications and got into the schools. And they told me, about five or six changes that they would have made. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this wasn't their essay. Yeah. College application essays are about you, the future students, and who you are. And you aren't your parents. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, if you're going to be working or communicating with colleges, do it yourself. Because at the end of the day, as soon as you get to that school, you're going to be doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, just go for it. I know we just discussed this, but just go for it. If there's something that you're interested in or passionate about, do it. And if something stands in your way, assess the situation as to how big of a challenge that challenge actually is. Yeah. Um, and go somewhere that you feel comfortable, go somewhere you wanna be. Um, try not to let anything tie you down um, mm -hmm. because you will end up at the, at the right place. And I have one other really big piece of advice. Oh, there it is. And for your college application essay, mm -hmm. the biggest thing that you can do is tell the story that you want to tell. 
it's, I, I was working with one of my cousins on his college application essay and he ended up getting into his number one school and a couple other people from high school. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he had this thing that he wanted to write about. But at the same time, he had another thing about himself that he said, this would be an extraordinary college application essay. Mm-hmm. Go for the one that's about what you want to write about. Um, I, you're going, these people, these schools, when they're reading your college application essay, there are mm-hmm. some that review it based on structure and grammar. Yeah. And there are some that review it on the basis of the readers are simply answering the question, how much would you want this person to be your roommate? Yeah. And that's something unique about the American education system. We do judge each person as a person for yeah. going into these schools. Um, and if you're going to tell a story, tell the story that you want to tell. Tell it from your perspective entirely and what you got out of it, showing any growth. And mm-hmm. also try to find something unique. The best essays for the personal statement are the essays where you're saying things that only you can say. If that has anything to do with the perspective or an experience. My college application essay, I was on a cooking show, of course, and I didn't mm-hmm. talk about it. I mentioned yeah. it for a second, but my college application essay was about working on food trucks. And mm-hmm. after the show ended, mm-hmm. going back and working in the community and still learning. Yeah. And it's, think about what story you want to tell. <laughs> because I know that if my parents had me wrote my essay, they would have talked about me being on the show. They Absolutely. wouldn't have talked about these food trucks. But the food yeah. trucks are what I love. So Holden, we are going to start winding down here. So before we uh, sign off here, any memory or vignette or anecdote from your past few years in college uh, that you'd like to share? Um, sure. I, I want to just say about how I got my advisor. <laughs> sure. Because down the line, when students need to get their advisors, they're all interested in finding the best professor or a professor that they connected really, with really well. And I did not have that usual experience. Um, I, I think I can say that my entire college experience has not been the usual in- experience, in fact. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but what is the usual experience at the end of the day? <laughs> I, when I was going through and trying to find an advisor, yeah. I asked a professor that I got along really well with in a class that I loved. It's one of the most difficult and one of the most interesting courses I have ever taken, ancient history or ancient medical history, so Greek mm-hmm. and Roman medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often like to say that this is the course that made me no longer afraid of needles. Um, <laughs> because at the end of the day, ancient Egyptian trepanation is way worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I scheduled a meeting with this teacher and I asked her if she would be my advisor. Mm-hmm. And she said no. Hmm. Which... <laughs> First off, came as a shock. I thought I got along really well with this teacher. Yeah. And it turns out I did. Because this professor ended up connecting me with one of her friends. Mm-hmm. And her friend is now my advisor. Uh-huh. Um, and in 
international relations and my interdisciplinary studies major. Mm -hmm. And for interdisciplinary studies at Tufts, you have to have two other advisors. And I was cold emailing these different professors. Mm -hmm. For one of the professors um, who's in the urban and environmental policy and planning department, nothing to do with food history. Um, (laughs) I sent him an email. I scheduled a meeting with him to talk about what I wanted to do for my thesis and my major. And he said yes. Mm-hmm. Another one of my advisors is in the culinary industry for food and beverage startups. Um, and he's a teacher at the Friedman School of Nutrition, which is the Tufts Nutrition School in their medical school. Mm-hmm. I sent him an email, scheduled a meeting, and he said yes. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing from this story is really two things. First off, always ask. Yeah. If you are too afraid to ask, you lost the opportunity. Yep. Because if I didn't reach out to this urban and environmental policy and planning professor, mm-hmm. I would not be one of his only undergraduate advisees. And I wouldn't have an advisor who has actually done research in culinary sociology and the food trucks and immigration in the United States. Mm-hmm. And number two, the answer no is not the end. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast with Holden Dollarbrook and his undergraduate experiences at Tufts. Holden's energy, passion, and drive are very much in evidence during the podcast. The Koch Scholarship is a testament to his high school accomplishments. Holden went to Tufts to build his own major, which included culinary history, culture, and entrepreneurship. In his sophomore year, despite the COVID isolation, he still served as a resident assistant and spent his junior year abroad in Germany. He was active on campus, started a culinary magazine, foodie house, and was on the student garment. I hope Holden's experience inspires you to check out the Koch Scholarship and explore Tufts for your own undergraduate studies. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash alma matters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you. College Matters. Alma Alma matters. Matters.